Welcome to the Rochester Church of Christ Sermon Podcast. We believe that there is no message more life-changing and more relevant than the gospel. It is our earnest prayer that you will be enriched as a disciple and that you will hear the good news today. Welcome to week four of our messy series. I'm going to have you stand just for another second. And then we'll read. Uh, But this is week four. Week one, we talked about loving yourself. Okay, we talked about taking a look at who you are, finding a way to love yourself the way that God loves you. Because God has called you and loves you. And he's called you in your brokenness as a witness. Amen? Amen. Week two, we talked about loving our neighbors. Okay, we love our neighbors. And loving God is why we do that. It turns out that our neighbor's everybody. So that makes it a little more challenging. Week three, we talked about loving our enemies. That there were no exclusions to this call to love others. We love those who have hurt us, those who have taken advantage of us, as well as those who believe and live differently from us. Today, we're going to conclude this series by taking one more step one more challenging step towards loving people. And we're going to talk about loving our families. <laughs> and I laugh a little bit at that, but the truth is loving our families can be a messy thing. Let's start by reading God's word together. We stand in reverence of the word and in honor of the authority of God This is a passage you should be familiar with. It's from Genesis chapter 2, starting in verse 19. Your Bible says, The Lord God had formed out of the ground all the wild animals and all the birds in the sky, and he brought them to the man to see what he would name them. And whatever the man called each living creature, that was its name. So the man gave names to all the livestock and the birds of the sky and all the wild animals. But for Adam, no suitable helper was found. So the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. And while he was sleeping, he took one of the man's ribs and then closed up the place with flesh. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib that he had taken out of the man and he brought her to the man. And the man said, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman for she was taken out of man. That is why a man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife and they become one flesh. That is why a man leaves his father and mother and, they, and is united to his wife, and they become one flesh. One flesh. Heavenly Father, today as we talk about loving our families, we pray, I pray that your spirit will be at work, convicting our hearts, softening our hearts, molding our hearts, changing our hearts. God, we pray thank you for every opportunity we have to grow in you. And by your spirit, I thank you for the way that you change us more and more into the likeness of your son, Jesus. Speak now, Father, for your children are listening. In Christ's name we pray, amen. You may be seated. So I've told you this a lot, this series, but it's one of the main points, so I hope that you're, you're with me on this. We are made for relationship. We are made for community. 
okay? We may be introverts or extroverts, okay, that, that, that can be true, that there are some folks that really derive lots of energy from big group gatherings, that when people are all around, they derive their energy from that. Those are, your, those are your extroverts. They like that kind of thing. There are people like me who are not necessarily excited and deriving energy from that. We spend energy to interact. And then we need to go somewhere by ourselves to recharge our batteries. And it's not that we don't love people. We love you, that's why we're expending the energy to be there. But we don't gain energy from those exchanges. There's introverts and extroverts, but I will tell you what, there is none of us that were made to be alone. Okay, we are all made for relationships. All of us are made to love and to be loved. I want to look for a I want to talk for a moment about Facebook. Because it's a pretty good example of what I'm talking about. Did you know that on any given day, now this is according to Facebook, they're the ones who could tell us, I guess, there are two billion users who are active every day on Facebook. Now, I don't know if you follow like world population, but that's 25%. That's a little more than 25% of the world population is active on Facebook every day. Daily. People want relationships and connections. Now, here's the trouble. Here's kind of the big, the big cover-up. What makes Facebook and socials like it so appealing is that it gives us the promise of relationships, but it, it combines that with the promise of being in complete control of those relationships. That I have the control, I can go into my settings and I can control who can see my content. I can go in and I can control whose content I see. I can control, as a matter of fact, which of my friends get to see what it is that I'm saying. Boy, that's a lot of control that I can put into that. I get to see what, I get to control what they see and what they want and, and who gets to see it. I've found that a lot of us bring that same desire to our relationships that we have with real people. I want to have relationship, but I am wanting to control all of it. Here's the problem. Your family, those people who have a front row seat to your life, and you have a front row seat to theirs, um, you, you don't get that control. God instituted the idea of family when God made Eve and then called Adam and Eve to be fruitful and multiply. They're not going to understand it. And maybe, maybe they shouldn't. 
because you're not supposed to have two lives. The biggest failing in the church in America today is the incredible distance between what we say and what we do. Here's the deal. The world is going to be the world. We're not going to change that right now. We might never fix that. We're always working to introduce the world to Christ, and we're making a difference one person at a time, but the world's going to be the world, and I can't change that. The problem is when I see the church look exactly like the world. I, we can't change the world from being the world, but we sure better ought to be able to change the church from being the world. If the church is simply the world, loving ourselves, loving money, loving sin, but with a regular hangout on Sunday morning, then it's no wonder we're losing people. And, 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 and understand, I don't mean just Rochester. By the way, Rochester, we're growing. We've been growing. We're on like a real six months like trend and everything. Like, praise God. But the church in general in America continues to decline. And it's because of one day Sunday discipleship. That's a big reason of it. So the first thing is practice what you preach. Second thing I want to tell you is that I want you to commit to your family. God has given all of us families as well as a call to lead those around us closer to Christ. And my home, my family is my primary area of responsibility. My primary mission field, as Virginia just said. God has called me into leadership in the church. But my first area of leadership and responsibility is not y'all. It's my family. My wife, Kelly, and my son, Cooper. That they are my first responsibility of who to teach and reach with the gospel. And I'm their first responsibility. They're there to hold me accountable and strengthen me. And, and, and this is so much harder than it sounds. It's one thing to say it. It's another thing to do it. It's so much harder than it sounds. You see, workaholics aren't born that way. I have a question for you, and I want you to just answer honestly. And so what I'm going to have you do for a second is close your eyes. Some of you, you've already beat me to it. <clears throat> I, I, I want you to close your eyes for a second, and I'm just going to have you raise your hand. I'm not going to call any names. I'm not going to do that. I just want you to close your eyes for a second and raise your hand. If this sentence applies to you, I like feeling competent all right I'm worried about some of you that didn't raise your hand but that's okay how about this keep, keep your eyes closed I like getting paid well for my work all right 
open your eyes. That was unanimous. You can put your hands down. That was unanimous. All right. We almost got there with competent. We, we completely got there with pay. Here's what I found out. I go to my job and I feel competent. I walk into work and, and, and here's the deal. I've got quite a bit of education. They don't let me go to school anymore. I've got now 25 years of experience. A little more, little more salt than pepper in the beard. Gave up on trying to grow hair. I've got some pretty good spiritual gifts that match what I do. And so I walk into work and feel competent. Like I know what I'm doing. I like that feeling. It's not the only reason I work, but I like the feeling. I walk into my home. Yes. And there's things going on there. And I don't feel so competent. Because I don't have any experience with my first kid. My only kid, I better get it right. And I don't know what's going on there sometimes. And he'll say words to me, and I'm like, I don't know what that means. I'm going to take it as disrespect. And he's like, no, that's, that's, that's not how it is. I'm going to say, I've already told you don't talk to me like that. He's like, is this the way people talk? And I'm like, nope, nope, not the way all people talk. All right. My wife and I, I've, 25 years we've been together, I just found out. I just found out. Do you understand this? Like, as in like two weeks ago, I found out my wife doesn't like sausage on pizza. <laughs> 25 years, this woman has been having me order meat lover's pizza because she likes meat on pizza. I just found out she doesn't like sausage. What are we doing here? Okay, that's a small example, that's a trivial example of the reality that sometimes you may get the feeling you've walked into your house and you think, I don't feel very competent here and I am not equipped to deal with what's going on very well. And as a matter of fact, when I make my decisions, the people here don't tend to like them and don't like me. I'm being real. All right? This is, this is real life talking. And maybe it's just my marriage and my family, but, 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 but when I don't feel competent at home, but I feel competent at work, guess where I'm going to be? Work. And it's not even a conscious decision. In the back of my mind, I want to be where I feel like I know what I'm doing. And I like getting paid well for my work. Yeah. Then I go home, and it's a ton of work, and I need money, and I don't get it. So why wouldn't I stay at work a little longer where they pay me, and get sausage on my pizza because Kelly's not eating it? It's, there's, I wish I hadn't told y'all that. Now it's, that's... I feel like I'm about to get delivered like eight sausage pizzas. Anyway, um, no, don't do that, please. Um, no, listen, here's, here's the deal, though. Workaholics aren't simply born that way. 
they're formed because they want to feel competent. They like being paid well. You can make all the different justifications in the world, some of them subconsciously, for why you've stayed at work instead of going home. Committing to your family means that sometimes you have to clock out from where you feel comfortable and competent and well-rewarded and go into the place where you don't feel that way so that you can do what God has called you to do as you lead and minister to those people. Your family is not getting in the way of your life. Your family is your life. I didn't get any amens, but I got a few hostile stares and I'll take it. All right, next one is I want you to not just commit to your family, I want you to love your family. And the love to which we're called is not conditional. Love them when they please you and when they displease you. Love them when they succeed and love them when they fail. Love them when they are respectful and when they are disrespectful. Love them when it is easy to do so and love them when it is difficult. Love them when they don't or can't love you back. Love your family. Do not make love a reward. Be mindful of when you say I love you. Don't just make it when someone does what you want. When they do what you want, say thank you, not I love you. Because that makes love a reward. That if you followed my rules, I love you. Don't make love a bargaining chip. That if you please me, I'll give it to you. Both saying I love you as a reward and I love you as a bargaining chip are really just selfishness in disguise. Say I love you more than you think you ought to. But more what I hope is I hope your families, your family members, and I don't just mean parents. I'm talking about children. I'm talking about grandparents. I'm talking about aunts and uncles. Can your family members see the organic connection between the way you love them and why you are loving them that way. Okay, 1 John 4, 19, we love because he first loved us. Does my family realize that my love for them is as unchanging and unconditional as his love for me? Love your family like that. Children, Honor your father and mother. Children, even love your siblings. I know older siblings are rough. I'm a younger sibling. Um, Now, I know siblings are rough sometimes. Love your family. Third, Share the gospel, or I'm sorry, share time with your family. Share time with your family. I've said this so many times, I really hope you understand it. When I talk about loving your family and then I say share time with your family, people spell love T-I-M-E. 
That's, <laughs> I love it. I love it. I've thought about starting hashtags uh, with like Adam Bomb. Anyway, um, <clears throat> it'll catch on. Anyway, um, okay, share time with your family because people spell love, T-I-M-E. Can your family members see that you have energy and time and excitement for your likes and your hobbies, but no energy, time, or excitement for them? This is, a, this is a tough sermon, right? This is why it's last. Because the messiness is real. Can your family members see that you have energy, time, and excitement for your hobbies, but no energy, time, or excitement for them? Teens, I'm going to keep it real right now. Y'all got to work on this. Make time to spend with your parents. Make time to spend with your parents. Parents, there isn't a job or paycheck in the world that is worth more than the time you spend with your children. Husbands and wives, love one another explicitly. I got attention. What I mean is not implicitly. Don't... Don't just say, well, if I, if, if I didn't love them, I wouldn't do the laundry. That's implicit. I'm doing things I'm around because if I, if I didn't love you, I would have left. That, that's a terrible way to say I love you. <laughs> Be explicit about how you love one another. Say it more often. Use some public affection and make your kids squirm. <laughs> Date one another. Show your kids what a healthy relationship looks like. Show your kids explicitly what it looks like to love someone when you don't have the in love feelings. Share your time with your family. I'm, I'm hurrying up here. Share the gospel with your family. Amen. <laughs> I'm counting that one. Um, <clears throat> parents, your responsibility is to teach your children the truth about Jesus. And the staff team here at the church can join you in that journey and can come alongside you. But it's almost impossible for us to do it for you. You got to live your faith day in and day out with consistency. Can your children see that you are discipling them? That you are discipling them. Not just can your children see that you are teaching and serving at church. Can your children see that you are active on service days? That's a, that's, that's a wonderful thing. That's a great place to be and start. But I got to be clear here. What I mean is can your children see that you are studying with them, praying with and for them? Can they see that you are mentoring them to be people of faith growing up in Christ? Can they see that you're investing in them? And be committed to the gospel as you parent your children. 
Don't just criticize. Don't just criticize. The gospel is not, you've done it again. The gospel is that God has done for you what you could never do for yourself, but has made it possible for you to change and grow. Husbands and wives, speak to each other like you love each other. Stop being so critical. Give each other grace. Again? Yeah, again, just like God has done for you. Children, young people, sometimes your zeal and your commitment for Christ is a reminder and a wake-up call to your parents. Don't stop. Hold us accountable to the faith that very often we taught you. But now you seem to be taking more seriously than us. Kenny, go ahead and come up. Okay, Adam. That sounds great. I'm going to work on that. We're going to try with God's help to be the people that we're created to be. Amen. But what if my family is a complete disaster? What if I needed this sermon years ago? What if we've not done much of this and things have fallen apart? What if my family has disintegrated? What if my family has exploded? What if my family is broken already? I had one of those. And so first, I'm sorry if that's your experience. It's not easy. But I have great news. And that's that God has a plan for you too. The truth is God can work miracles even in your family's stuff. That God can show you how to love and be loved even through messy divorces, gigantic fights, short-fused tempers, and long-held grudges. Now, I got to be honest. God didn't want any of that for you. God didn't make any of that happen. God is not the author of confusion or sin. But God can work, love, call, and save us from that. Here's the truth. Even if your family is no more, God has given you another family in this community. The church is the family of God. We are brothers and sisters together with a father whose love is unconditional and whose patience never ends. With our brother Christ, who has done for us what we could never do for ourselves. And, 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 and this family that we have 
reminds us that Christ is our hope, reminds us that that we can take hold of him who loves us. I I wanna show you a picture. It's one of the coolest things that has happened in the last week. And and you're going to get to see the videos and everything and hear the stories when they get back. But over in Alaska, where a lot of our young people are and a lot of families are, um, I want you to meet your four new brother, your brother and your sisters in Christ. Alexa, Grace, Jonah, and Sadie have all been baptized into Christ in Denali National Park. And they've become part of our family. Part of this this family that God has put together. That God is faithful. Even if our fathers aren't faithful, God is a better father than our fathers. God is is faithful and he's a better mother than our mothers. And I've called my mom. Told her, mom, I have great news. I found a better mom. And he's called God. And she took the news pretty well. She was thankful. Because I start to see what God is up to, healing me and healing those like me whose families are not ideal. And so I guess I'll just finish by saying you can't run too far. You can't, you can't mess up too badly for God to be able to heal and fix and save. That he's here for you. That your mess, whatever it is, will never be bigger than what God has done for you through Christ on the cross. And if you're ready to join the family of God, if you're ready to put on Christ in baptism, then I want you to do it today. And if and if you've if you've if you've been distracted, taken off course, and you want to repent, I want you to repent today. Okay, repent doesn't just mean say you're sorry, it means turn around and do different things. Lean into the love that Christ has for you, the strength that God has for you, the, the way that the Spirit has leading you, so that you can love your family. Let's stand up. Heavenly Father, you have made us family in your son. And God, if there are more to be added to your family today, we praise you and we pray that that will happen. God, I pray for the work you're doing in all of the families in this room. And some of them are in crisis and some of them are are in post-crisis and learning to live in a newer normal that they don't love and that you never planned, but God, in all of it, you're at work, you're present, and your love and your grace are changing hearts and working in us, providing strength we didn't know was there, 
providing comfort that we couldn't imagine. God, I pray that we can love our families. Give us the courage and the strength to do that. We love because you first loved us. Thank you, thank you, thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. If If you're looking for Jesus today, come while we sing together. We sincerely thank you for listening and pray that you were blessed today. To learn more about Rochester Church of Christ, to support our ministry, or to contact us with any prayer needs you may have, head over to www.rochestercoc.org. Remember, you are loved and chosen.